people of New England could talk about their day. The fishermen and the farmers who live in Casco Bay. Something here for everyone, from the hunters to the traders. But most of all, the stories from amazing Mainers. Ooh, amazing Mainers. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Amazing Mainers, a show about Mainers, what they do, why they do it, and how they do it, I'm your host, Elsie Van Savage, and I'm pleased to have as today's guest, Carlene Hill Byron, who is the Director of Development and Communication of the Independence Association of Maine, a really important job in a really important organization. We'll talk about how Carlene got to where she is today, and she will tell us about the Independence Association and all it does. Hello, Carlene Hill Byron, and welcome. Hi, Elsie, and thank you so much for having me on your show. Well, thank you for saying that, and, th- and I hope I got all that introduction. Sometimes I get them wrong. And w- one time I reversed somebody's name, I put their last name first. So <laughs> <laughs> today you're okay with it. Um, I am. I got it right. Well, let's first of all find out, are you born in Maine? I was, yes. I was um, born in Brunswick, and because my dad was Navy, we moved away for a while. And then we came back when he was getting close to retirement. And so I finished elementary school, junior high, and high school in Brunswick. And then I went away when I was going to college. But um, my family stayed here until uh, until my parents passed. So okay. And did you did you go to college? Did you get educate? I mean, did you go to college in Maine? I went. I finished at UMass Boston. I bounced around a little bit, but yeah. I finished UMass Boston. Okay, good. So you are you're really a, like what can be called a Mainer. Yeah, well, yes. I, you have to be conceived in Maine. You know that it, to be a true Mainer. If you're not conceived, you're out of the club. I was conceived in Maine. My mother was conceived in Maine. Oh, well, you're in. Um, we we're like nine generations Maine. Yeah, so we're Maine. <laughs> Good enough. And now your CV is huge, Carlene. I mean, really, you've done everything. And it appears to me that you are you have an interest in social history, mental health, and technologies. And, wow, you do a lot of stuff. <laughs> well, you know, it shows up in my CV because I've worked in organizations that have specialties. Yeah. It's really, in a lot of ways, the CV of a person who is a writer. And, like... Like you, you know, you're curious about stuff, you learn about stuff, and in your case, you've stayed in organizations that give you a chance to do writing and interviewing, and sometimes I went into organizations that gave me a chance to do advocacy and promotion, but it's kind of the same curiosity set. Got it. And I am curious, too. In my case, it doesn't always stay, everything doesn't stay in my head, but I'm working on that. Anyway, I wrote down, I'm sure this is... I hope I got this right. How do you support people whose needs push them to the margins of society, and is that what you do today? That is exactly what Independence Association is about. Independence Association was founded back in the Pineland Hospital era by parents who didn't want their kids to be shoved out of their home communities. Yeah. 
for their kids to have a chance to grow up in their own communities and to grow to contributing members of those communities at whatever level of contribution they would be able to make. And so that's what independence is been association has been about from the very beginning is helping a group of people who would otherwise have been pushed off to the margins become fully included members of our main communities and when you were when you were young a kid a, a little girl did your family mm-hmm. encourage your, you to be uh, curious about diverse interests as you were growing up because you certainly are <laughs> <laughs> oh my family encouraged me to read and so that certainly helps a person get into diverse interests. And I think it is also true, as I think over my childhood, that my family was very open to um, friendships with kids that might have been, again, pushed off to the side. Sure. So yeah. I remember when I was in third grade that one of my friends was one of the developmentally disabled kids in my class. And that's something that, was acceptable and valued in my family. Good for you, and in the mine, it wasn't it wasn't unvalued, but it was just people just said you you have to stay away from those people. And I mean, my grandmother would tell me to cross the street if she saw some somebody walking with his parents. It was developmentally just like never get all about the uh, <laughs> syllables right. But in any mm-hmm. case, so it's lovely to see that finally we're waking up now, folks. Listen to this. This lady's professional life has been very diverse besides fundraising. She writes, she markets, she's worked for-profit and non-profit, and she's worked both in-house and freelance. Colleen, did you ever stop to think, should I just settle down and do one thing? And <laughs> and was this it? <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's, that's kind of funny. I don't seem to settle down very well. I seem to... Um make a shift every five, seven, ten years, and either I've just gotten more interested in something different than what I'm doing or whatever. Um, yeah, I'm sure settling down and doing something would be good for me in some <laughs> yes, <laughs> never been Eventually, to. eventually, Carlin. You don't have to do it today. But how many years are you into the Independence Association work? Um, about five years now. And no, that doesn't mean I'm Should I be telling them? Should I be calling them? <laughs> Say what? Should I be warning them? That you're <laughs> no, no, I don't think. <laughs> well, tell tell us, um, how did you get connected with with Independence Association? How did you know you about know, it? One of those random coincidental things. I was working for another organization, um, and the role that I had there involved a lot of direct client contact, um, and I was not very good at direct contact with the kind of clients they had. Um, So I ended up having a fairly serious workers' comp injury um, while I was out. (laughs) You make it sound so handy. (laughs) You make it sound so handy like it happened just in time. So, (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's it's just one of those things. While I was out on workers' comp, I saw an ad for a temp job at Independence Association doing exactly the kind of thing that I've done in a lot of places, yeah. planning a big event. And so I thought, well, I can do this. And I applied there, and they hired me. And after the event was over, they kept me on, and eventually I grew into the role I have now. So you, you really were hired right away. But tell us, what. well, if I asked you for um, 
how do you define independence association to somebody who doesn't know very much about it or anything that would be me um, mm-hmm. how would you say, how would you define that independence association is an organization that assists people who have intellectual and developmental disabilities or autism in living fully and included in the main communities where they want to live. We have been doing this for 55 years, and we help people across all the dimensions of life. So we support people in finding housing if they're adults. We support them in finding the right school placements if they're students. We support them in looking for employment or volunteering in the community, um, expanding their creative experiences, practicing health and wellness disciplines. We're a very, we've grown into a full-orbed organization over 55 years' time. Well, you know, you just answered about my next five questions. This is perfect. Um, you're good. <laughs> you're very good at this. <laughs> so you were, and so you, you, got, you obviously stepped into this knowing that you would love it, and you do love it, and you do it well. Um, um, do you, how do these people? How do people like that? Who, if they don't have any money, how do they pay for this? Um, that is a great question because the reality is that people with disabilities are seriously underemployed nationwide. Not wealthy. Yes, not wealthy. Never. And most of the services that we provide are supported through various streams of Medicaid funding. So these are low-income people who have qualified for Medicaid services to people who have intellectual or developmental disabilities or autism. We support folks in all of those categories. Amazing. It's, it's amazing. I, I don't know if it exists all over the country. I hope it does, but it's just um, when I learn about things like this, I think, wow, there's hope for all of us. <laughs> you know? And so you have a huge, I wrote down, do you love networking most of all? I think I asked you that. I think when we talked, you told me that you do love to do that. Yeah, that's, you know, that's one of those things that's like a weird, bizarre talent. I mean, I used to work for an organization that um, supported leadership development in churches in 60 denominations in six states here in the Northeast. And when I moved to North Carolina, I met this attorney, and when he heard my name, it's like, wait a minute, you know my dad in New Hampshire? No kidding. <laughs> and then the next time he talked to his dad, his dad wanted to know if I could recommend a church resource on a particular subject. And so I'm just like this weirdly talented networker. <laughs> You're just a walking networker. I mean, gosh. So, so, you, so are you one of those people that when someone is having a dinner party, they say, don't get her started? <laughs> don't, don't. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's a funny question. I don't think they said that in front of me, but they may. <laughs> but why not? Hey, if you're good at something, you should tell the world, and you are good at this. Um, so so you, um, well, what does one, I'm going to say this all wrong, um, Carlene, I hope I don't, what does one have to be or have to, to get or to be accepted in independence? 
I think you covered it. I mean, I think you you said it's a wide range. It's from people that are mm-hmm. very have a lot of disabilities and people who are not as bad mm-hmm. off. Is that how badly did I do that one, Carlene? Oh, you're doing great. And, <laughs> you know, it is it's really important for people to just ask the questions and not worry about whether they get it right because until you are dealing with a disability in your own family, yes, you really don't have a chance to understand what it's all about. And so we need everybody to be asking the questions and, you know, be willing to stumble a little bit in an interaction with somebody who might communicate differently than they do or uh, that's that's one of the big ones. Um, well, we're so we're so tender of these days about offending, and so a lot of us are afraid to ask questions for fear that we're going to use. I, I understand you're not allowed to say those people or these people anymore, so I do a lot of stammering <laughs> because I, anyway. But you're being very kind, but that's why I think that many of us are afraid to ask questions because we want to know, but we don't want to offend and oh, the world. Yeah. So now the well, pe- when these when go wh- back to the question that started that, Elsie. Yes. Um, eligibility for services. Um, broadly speaking, to be eligible for services for intellectual disability, um, the the core thing is that you have to test at an IQ of 70 or below. And I'm not sure what the um, eligibility criteria are for autism services. Mm. Um, the tricky thing, of course, is that we all know IQ tests. Today you score 90, tomorrow you score 93, the next yeah, day you yeah, score Yeah, for sure. You know? yes. And so if service eligibility is dependent on 70 and below, if this is the day you score 72, well, that's bad news. Sure, right? yeah. <laughs> so it can take a long time for some people to gain eligibility. And it's not just one test. There's really... Um, when I look at the materials we've put together for kids who are moving out of public schooling into adult services, I mean, I swear, it is, it takes as long and is as challenging to get your kid who has an intellectual disability into adult services Mm. as it would be, be to get your kid who is academically exceptional into an elite college. No kidding. Oh. No. Awful. Hmm. That's a not Okay. Project. So, okay. So now when, when, when they are finally accepted and, and they get a place to live, these um, are the people that go, I'm assuming it's apartments, and do they, are they, ex- are the families involved too? Are they expected to help them, teach them to keep it clean and, and they help them get jobs and, write checks and do all those things, um, or is that up to the family first before they get into a, a, a place at, at independence? The things that you're describing, the basic living skills, are often things that we are teaching to our clients or coaching them in or reinforcing in them. Because, of course, I mean, I know how to balance my checkbook. How often do I do it, right? I do it never, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, you know, it's... Um, it can be something that needs reinforcement for any of us. Um, families are involved when they are close enough to be involved. And so the range of, and that I'm saying geographically close enough, 
Um, so the range of family involvement can be pretty wide. We have some families who live right here in the mid-coast. We have had other families who live, um, I think especially at families where the sibling nearest in age to the client who is the guardian mm. has retired to Florida. And we've had mm. a number of situations like that. And it's not to say that the sibling is non-involved, but they are not involved on a face-to-face daily routine. Part of the reason that organizations like Independence Association exist is because every family worries about what's going to happen to their child when the parent dies. Yeah. You know? And families do their best to organize siblings and other networks of care and support, sometimes guardianship, sometimes supportive decision-making teams. But there's still that concern, what's going to happen when the nearest family isn't there? And that's why over, you know, many years, we've moved to a model of care that is rather heavily dependent on paid staff in organizations like ours. So it's so the, 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 today, if I wanted to put a child of mine there, um, mm-hmm. I would I could do it and feel like when I die they will be safe, they won't be put out in the street and they'll be they'll be taken care of. I I will tell you that um, that is what all of us in this service realm attempt to do. One of the things I'm really proud of at Independence Association is that as our clients have been getting older in recent years, we've been transitioning our housing stock to single-level housing so that people, are, as their mobility becomes limited, are still able to get around their homes. I wish uh, there was a law that that was for everywhere in the whole world because, boy, at 84, I see a staircase and I panic. <laughs> but so, okay, so they are, uh, uh, is is um, Independence Association connected with Spindleworks in Brunswick? Yes, Spindleworks is part of Independence Association. It was founded by a local weaver named Nan Ross, but it quickly was um, folded into Independence Association's yes. Um, program services. Terrific, terrific. And and if I, now, um, how long would it take if if I wanted to ask somebody to get into Independence Association? I mean, would it? Um, does it take a long time? Would roughly how long would it take before my first thought to getting my child there? Mm-hmm. Okay. The first thing I should say is that your child who comes into supportive services at Independence Association is going to be a young adult child. So kids are getting children's case management and support through public schools until they complete their public school education, which is going to be sometime between ages of 18 and 22, typically. Okay. Um, so that the time that it takes to get that um, you should plan to spend about 18 months in okay. preparing to all p- the paperwork and yeah. all the meetings yeah, yeah. and stuff to bring that child, that adult child, into adult services. 
Um, and you may choose to start earlier simply so that you can have a chance to view options and, you know, get a better idea of what your child wants to do uh, versus just signing up for what's closest at hand. Sure, sure, sure. Oh, boy, it sounds very, very safe listening to you talk that these people aren't going to be just thrown into a thing, a place, and they're taken care of, and, and it's thoughtful, and you guys know what you're doing. I'm impressed. Carlene, now, if somebody um, has a, a record, like somebody goes in there at twenty in their 20s and they've had some little kerfuffles with the law, is that taken into, I mean, is that a bad thing? Can, can they be forgiven? Um, I can't speak to that from experience. I know that there have been people who are living with us who have had kerfuffles with the law while they're living with us. Ah, well then, okay. <laughs> and, you know, we've, we've managed to work it out. And who um, of us haven't, Carlene? If we all look back over our lives, have we all been perfect? No. <laughs> I certainly haven't. So, so but what, are the, what, what would you say are, are the future goals of uh, Independence Association? I mean, it sounds like you're living them, that it's happening now. That, I mean, how can it get any better? Oh, well, there's lots of ways. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And will you be involved in that process in, in the getting as it, as it is growing? Yes. Um, some, of, some of what's happening for us is related to changes in how care is being provided to folks with intellectual and developmental disabilities and how it is funded. And so... We as an organization, along with all of the other organizations in the state of Maine, are adjusting the way that we provide services to meet some new goals and standards that the state of Maine has set in order to better conform with some federal rules that came out, gosh, eight oh, years ago. Almost okay. Ago. Got it. Uh, and the interesting thing as I'm I've just been working with a local writer on Independence Association's 55th anniversary history book and it's really interesting to see that the current care model is really has a lot in common with the way that we were approaching care in the 1980s uh -huh. um, a lot of activities that were very out in the community, um, strong push for employment of people, um, a preference towards people living in what are called shared living settings, yes. where um, instead of living in a group home, they might be living with a family mm -hmm. that is able to support them. And these are, I mean, I just say that this is a model that we've seen before because that's kind of reassuring as you're trying to move towards it. At the same time, one of the reasons we moved away from it is because it does have some weaknesses. So, for example, there's a young man who has been very vocal in his self-advocacy. He's not one of our clients, but mm -hmm. he's local. Um, because he prefers to be in a shared living setting, not a group home, but his physical disabilities limit his mobility in such a way that there are not a heck of a lot of 
family home sure. in this they part of the country accommodate that, that will yeah. accommodate yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it, it's hard. Every time we look at these changes and shift our cycle again, we hit again the issues that caused us to move away from the sure. last. Got it. Well, Carlene, I, you know, I'm going to say this on the radio, so you're going to really have to be committed. i got to come back to get another show with you because I'm skipping over too many questions. There's so much more I want to. Would you do a second show on this, the ones that I haven't, the questions that I haven't asked you? Oh, sure. If she said it here, America, she, she has to do it now, so okay. <laughs> Carlene, now I've got about, let me see, I've got about two minutes left. You have written a book, and is it about independence, and if you will tell us about it, and how it's selling, and where it can be bought. Did you? Okay, that's only four questions, but... Okay, uh, okay. I cover it fast. Okay. Um, the book that I've written is about the role community plays in supporting mental health. It's called Not Quite Fine Mental Health Faith and showing up for one another, and in it, I make the argument that faith communities in particular are well-equipped to improve, to build people up to a good, solid mental health baseline, because they are places where people experience meaning, belonging, purpose, value, and hope, all of which are evidence-based basics for mental health. And if I want to, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah. So if you're here in the Mid-Coast, you can get that at Gulf of Maine. They've ah. still got stock. I saw them the other day. Okay. If you're not here in the Mid-Coast, it's available in all the places online that you usually buy books. Perfect. Good for you. Oh, okay. Now, you've committed. Show number two is coming up. You all right with that? I am all right with that. Okay. Because we, there are so many more things I didn't even ask about locations of where it is. So stand by, America, because I'm coming back for this lady. And... Carlene, I'm sorry that our time is up. This is fascinating. I I can't thank you enough for telling us about this really worthy organization, Independence Association of Maine. It's obviously a place that gives a ton of support and help to people who need it. And, boy, that's nice to say and to think that it's happening. Now, do you have a website or an email address to which our listeners could avail themselves? Yeah, the easiest is to go to the website, which is independenceassociation.org. And there's a contact page, which comes to me if anybody wants to write and ask questions. And there's a donate page. <laughs> oh, you didn't, don't, yes, donations are always accepted. Please, everybody, please pay right. attention. Yes, okay. Good. So you, and, and how is, is the book selling? Um, yes, my book is selling, not real fast, but I, um, I'm not the best book marketer just yet. I've still got learning curve there. So you're not planning a trip to Italy or south of France or anything on the proceeds of the book just yet? Not yet, but if you know anybody who wants to bring me there on a speaker tour, I'm ready to go. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about that on show number two. She also (laughs) speaks. Okay. Carlene, thank you. This has been so much fun. Everybody, thank you very much for joining us. Please come back next week for another Amazing Mainers. Thank you, Carlene. You were wonderful, and I'll be talking to you again. Bye, everyone. Bye, Carlene. Bye. Bye.